there are so many new companies popping up on the market, um, companies that might have, um, you know, innovative new product areas. So in theory, you're always competing uh, for the best talent in the market. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is what I call consumerization, which is really the experience that employees have. And they want that same experience within the workplace, being that they spend so much time there. I think the domino effect from that then turns into the candidates want to see the same thing. So i.e. if you're on with your uh, cable company and you have an issue, there's a chat feature. So then at work, employees, if they have a question about their benefits, they want to have a chat feature as well. Same thing with, you know, candidates. If they are applying for the role, they want a chat feature where they can have just in time, um, you know, questions, answers, things like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. One of the areas that is such of a, so, sort of a, a low-hanging fruit for HR to disrupt and do significantly better than you know it's ever been done in the past is all things recruitment, talent acquisition, candidate experience, and all that is uh, related to those specific functions within HR. And within that space, the candidate experience sort of conversation is perhaps one of the most important ones Especially because, well, you know, we hear complaints from recruiters, we hear complaints from the candidates. So is there, what can we do to make it different, to make it better, both for the candidate and for the company, of course, that is hiring that candidate. So we're going to have a conversation about that today with somebody who has been in the space of talent, talent management, recruitment, talent acquisition, employer branding, talent attraction, diversity for a long time. And, you know, I'm very excited, Crystal, to have you today in the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, this conversation seems to be like a never ending conversation, the conversation about how to improve recruitment, how to think differently about candidate experience. So I want to begin by asking you, what is forcing HR? What is forcing organizations to think differently about the way they engage with potential candidates uh, for the job openings they have in their companies? Um, well, first, I will say that it's the market, right? So it there's so many new companies popping up on the market, um, companies that might have, um, you know, innovative new product areas. So in theory, you're always competing uh, for the best talent in the market. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is what I call consumerization, which is really the experience that employees have. And they want that same experience within the workplace, being that they spend so much time there. I think the domino effect from that then turns into the candidates want to see the same thing. So i.e. if you're on with your uh, cable company and you have an issue, there's a chat feature. So then at work, employees, if they have a question about their benefits, they want to have a chat feature as well. Same thing with, you know, candidates. If they are applying for the role, they want a chat feature where they can have just in time, um, you know, questions, answers, things like that. So the same, I would say, um, I don't say entitlement because it has a negative connotation, but the entitlement that most humans have around how they do life is how they want to experience a company. And so taking that into consideration for employees and for candidates, I think the other big thing that I'm starting to hear more about is making sure that the candidate experience and the employee experience are lined up and aligned so that when a candidate does come on board, that hopefully they're experiencing the same um, interaction, value proposition, things like that as an employee, because then otherwise you don't retain them. But yeah, I think it starts with the hot market and the consumerization. 
Absolutely. And I want to dig a little deeper into, into this last element that you talked about, but, 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 but I need to comment on something that you said, which is, you know, uh, we are spoiled by, by the technology we have out there, right? Your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you know, I say it because we, now we can buy anything we want from anywhere in the world with one click. We can order a taxi with one click. We can book a room in freaking Bora Bora, you know, with one click. And, and then you think like, wait a second, why do I have to go through all of this damn process to apply for a job in a candidate driven market? So you have that expectation that the company should serve you the same way it is serving their customers in their own uh, line of businesses, right? So I think that that has created a total different set of expectations uh, in the way the candidates want to be treated. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally agree. There was a meme on either LinkedIn or Instagram, I'm not sure which, and it said, um, if I have to enter, type in my information after I've uploaded my resume or I've uploaded my LinkedIn profile, like what's the point? Um, it's like, I'm retyping the same information. And so it's kind of exactly to your point, no yeah. one wants to do the same number of clicks. I actually got off a call about how to reduce our application clicks uh, earlier today. Uh, absolutely. And you know, that that's the very basic. I remember Crystal, uh, long time ago, I was applying for a job, you know, like, so it was before, uh, um, you know, there was software available to, to read your resume. So you needed to fill in, fill out the information. So I started doing my thing, you know, filling everything out. And after like about an hour and a half, one of the last questions was like, do you have anybody who works in this company? And the answer was yes. And the, the thing was like, oh, this is qualifies you from applying for this job. And I'm like, you're going to be kidding me. After I spent an hour and a half, that should have been the first question rather than the last question. So simple things like that can fully, you know, and dramatically increase the, the, the candidate experience. It does. I think the application plays a huge part in how to make it um, as few clicks as possible. I also yeah. think if you're in industries where you're dealing with like manufacturing operators, where they're not sitting at a computer and most times they might be on their phone, how do you make it accessible to them? Uh, yeah. Text recruit technology is huge, yeah. um, where you're able to text and uh, stay connected with candidates in a more time sensitive way. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really big is candidates want to have a better sense of what they're coming into, a mm. sense into the culture, the people. Yeah. So videos to help describe and create a image of what it's like to be there, especially now that we're in this COVID environment where you're not able to actually meet people potentially or be in person. They wanna have a vibe or to understand what that vibe would be like if they're there. And so yeah. how do we create things to give them that experience, um, to give them that sales feature without it actually, um, you know, creating too much extra time, energy or money for either party, right? So yeah, that yeah. it's not wasted to your point. They don't want to go through the whole process and then find out, oh, the people are this way or go through the whole process and find out, you know, oh, this is about development. They want to know those things up front and early. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that's a great segue to, to talk a little bit about uh, connecting candidate experience with employee experience. Uh, you know, we, we, we are, these days, we continue to hear even more how companies are trying to expand their, you know, the, their candidate pipeline to be more diverse, to include, you know, more people, more candidates from uh, different schools and different ethnicities, backgrounds, gender, whatnot. But then once you hire that one person, then they come into the company and they find that the culture is not what they expected it to be. And, and that's why you, you very often you find you know, so much effort done in the recruitment side for somebody to leave six months down the road or, you know, or eight months down the road after a very expensive process. So how, how, do, we, how do we find some alignment between EX and candidate experience? 
Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, one thing that I'm starting to see more companies do are to create a talent team or talent strategy. You know, everyone calls it something different, but ultimately it has talent acquisition, leadership development and employee development um, along with culture. And having it all together in one group, I think does help to drive some synergies across different topics. Um, if I think about employer branding, right? I wanna highlight that this is a place where employees can be developed. This is a place where leaders can be, you know, have a career and a future. All things that connect to the different topics under talent, but how do I make sure that I'm telling the story or selling the story in an accurate way, right? So that yeah. it does match or mirror what we're hearing from the employee side. So I think that's huge. Um, I think the second thing is making sure that the EVP is, we're clear how much is aspirational versus reality. Because mm -hmm. um, I think there's the a right balance, especially when you're first creating one, that there's some aspirations or some vision of where you want to take it or where you want to be in the future. And so being able to articulate that to a candidate in a strong way, I think is huge. Um, the other thing that we've started doing is really making sure that our EVP, our branding contacts are more integrated, um, not just with the talent acquisition advisors or the recruiters, but also equally aware of what's happening in that broader um, talent strategy or talent umbrella for leadership and employee development. So they can highlight that, whether it's in videos, whether it's in, you know, marketing materials, they were, you know, highlighting the broader picture and some of the, I'll say the meat or the realness that candidates want to hear and see about versus just some of the traditional kind of boxy cookie cutter um, EVP materials that traditionally come out. So um, I think the structure, I think the processes and the systems all kind of work together to make sure that you're able to connect both of those topics together. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, we are, we are, we are now, uh, you know, sort of the, the frame in which we were operating, uh, all of these things have shifted because now we have hybrid work, right? So uh, how, how do we think about all these elements that you just talked about in the context of this new work environment where some companies are going either full, fully remote or becoming more flexible and hybrid in their approach to work? Honestly, I feel like it doesn't change it. It just lights a fire under you and make you feel like you need to go a little bit faster in a shorter period of time. Um, I think candidates want to, in this virtual environment, want to understand the type of company that they're coming into. Um, however, I think with the virtual nature, it also is very manager driven and it's always been manager driven. So i.e. a candidate experience is really uh, impacted based off of their, their current manager and that uh, hierarchy structure. However, with at least at the company that I met, we're really allowing each business unit, each team to determine what type of creative tools they want to use versus mandating that everyone must use this, everyone must use that. And so because of that, you might have one team leader who's really, you know, comfortable with videos and send out video messages or collects videos from the team to send to a new employee to welcome them, right? Where you have someone else who's like, I'm just waiting to get back into the office and until then I'm not doing anything right and yeah. so you have pretty much have the extreme um, metrics of that and so honestly it's still a work in progress I don't think we've mastered it I think yeah. it's more of just highlighting and making the tools available um, encouraging whether it's um, bottoms up or tops down to leverage the tools to help bring about um, some change and some engagement in the teams and then also just celebrating uh, wins and best practices from others so um, we have sometimes workshops where we bring managers together where they can share best practices with each other so it's not necessarily coming from HR or from a trainer but they can kind of learn from each other and so that also seems to help us um, as well but I think we're 
uh, like most companies in a learning journey to figure out how to kind of make this work, especially from the enterprise-wide perspective versus based off of, you know, these individual experiences that people are having with uh, with their managers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, as we're getting closer to wrapping up our conversation, I, I, I do want to ask you if we, if we can become, uh, if we can turn very tactical in this, in this uh, question here. There, there are many companies that are struggling pretty badly to find uh, uh, people to work for them. And uh, it's not, uh, it's not uh, necessarily a judgment on their on them as a company. Sometimes it is, but not necessarily. It's just that the, mar- the the market is just so hot right now that it's becoming more and more and more difficult. So for those HR leaders that they know, we got to do better inside inside before uh, we can actually start attracting better candidates. What would you recommend them as a playbook? to, uh, you know, sort of think through the next stages in their process, you know, like to revamp, redesign, reimagine their uh, candidate experience? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) A big question there. So I would say, honestly, um, go to the source, right? That's always my kind of first point of contact is what are the people saying? Um, So whether it's from stay interviews, inclusion surveys, you know, nine times out of 10, most companies do overkill on survey. So there should be enough data somewhere. Um, and are we milling through that data in enough detail to really understand what it's saying? The exit interviews um, obviously historically can help us kind of fill in that gap or give a data point as well. So understanding like where are the actual gaps? So do we wanna focus on development? Do we wanna focus on you know a, a visibility or transparency from management? Knowing where to uh, prioritize your time and money and effort is gonna be huge. Um, I also feel that unfortunately, I don't think you can put all your eggs in one basket of fixing Mm. internal first. I think you're going to have to balance the internal and the external piece, but I think your employees can tell you hugely um, where to start. And I think, you know, we have sites like, you know, Glassdoor and Indeed and more and more um, sites are coming available where candidates can share their experiences, whether it's through video or through more comment based. And that's what candidates are reading, um, right? That's a huge thing, um, depending on the generation of the employee that they're going to look at before they actually go to apply. Um, If they had a bad experience um, in the company, on the way out of the company, all of that's going to play a part. So I think looking at the the source and and finding out where to start to prioritize is going to be huge. Um, And then outside of that, I would say making sure that we just look at it from a systems perspective, meaning end to end. So if you make a change in one area, what are the direct or indirect consequence areas that you might need to make other changes to, to make sure that the full kind of life cycle of whatever we're talking about um, holistically is driving towards the right intent or the North Star that you have. So those would be the two first steps. I think HR has a, uh, you know, quite an interesting, uh, you know, uh, journey ahead to to think about all these elements and to step outside of just like, you know, the, the kind of like the little box that is HR and think about many other areas. And, you know, I appreciate that you brought up, you know, employee experience, but also there's customer experience. There's what, the, you know, the employer branding uh, um, or the employee value proposition, employer, you know, branding. So um, awesome. Crystal, well, thank you so much for sharing all of these insights with the community and for spending this time with me today. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.